This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. This is Billy Hurley with NASA Tech Briefs. I'm speaking with Leland Melvin, the agency's Associate Administrator for Education since October 2010. As Associate Administrator, Melvin is responsible for the development and implementation of the agency's education programs that strengthen student involvement and public awareness about NASA's scientific goals and missions. Leland, thanks for being with us. Hey, Billy, thank you very much. It's good to be here. I've heard current NASA education efforts described as an overhaul. What has changed or what will change and what is needed to improve NASA's education offerings? I don't know if we say it's an overhaul, Billy. I think it's more of a tighter focus. I mean, you know, we're being physically constrained. We don't know what the president's budget, and we're really trying to see what are the things that NASA is supposed to be doing in education. There is a, a workforce, um, a, a National Science and Technology Council Committee on STEM Education, which is looking at the, the entire federal agency STEM portfolio and strategic plan for the next five years. This came out of the President's America's Compete Act, and we have a report due to him in January. So what is NASA's role? And that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out. You know, we, we have limited dollars, so we want to make the most bang for the taxpayer's buck and ensure that what we're doing is the right thing to be doing. You know, historically, we've tried to cover everything from K to grade with education. Maybe NASA's role is to do a piece of inspiration, maybe to, to work on looking at middle school teachers and how to get them better prepared to inspire more kids. So this process is not really an overhaul, but it's more of a, a refocusing and tightening of what's the best thing for NASA to do with education. And to do that, we have six uh, teams that have come together that are looking at each recommendation from the, uh, the education design team uh, report, and we're, we're looking to implement those in the next uh, you know, coming months. What kinds of subjects and topics are emphasized in these efforts? All, all the efforts we do, Billy, are involved with STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we want to make sure that kids and teachers have the right tools to ensure that they can see themselves as well, the, the students especially, as seeing themselves being able to do anything they put their mind to in STEM fields. So it's hands-on experiential efforts that we do with the Summer of Innovation where they're building rockets and windmills and wind tunnels, looking at how to use their hands to, to build and solve problems, especially in the summer months when typically kids go through a summer slide where what they learned at the end of the school year, you know, they have to do a lot of, uh, um, you know, education, I guess a lot of remedial pieces to pick themselves back up to where they were at the end of the school year. So one of the things we want to do is keep the interest and keep the kids thinking about ways that they can apply themselves over the summer months. For teachers, is to ensure that they have the right tools to help them understand better how to um, present, you know, difficult concepts, you know, astronomy and and things and, and um, you know, and trying to describe the solar system to students. If we can better prepare them and, and have maybe electronic data, electronic media that they can maybe review before their lessons, you know, to kind of augment their lesson plans, that's something that we can do with professional development for teachers. Also, you know, we have, um, you know, um, internships, fellowships, and scholarships. We have a one-stop shopping program that allows for students to log into one website to find out all the opportunities that we have across the agency at all the field centers, which we didn't have before. We had to go into each website at each center to find out what opportunities were there. So these are some of the things that we're doing to streamline the use of technology to help better get kids ready, students, and and their teachers. 
What do you think the, the gaps are? Are there particular subjects or topics that you think students or teachers don't have as great of an understanding of and need the most help with? Well, you know, a lot of the middle school teachers, some of them aren't certified science teachers. And so if we can better, you know, help those teachers understand the, you know, the tougher concepts, you know, I mean, space is a pretty difficult place sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in uh, the math and the, you know, making math more, um, more realistic, you know, we have a, we have some stuff on our website that shows, you know, how the current missions, how math is associated with the current missions that we're doing now. So better giving concrete examples to keep to keep the mathematics principles from being so abstract, to let them see that these are the kind of problems that we're, we're using the math to work on. How can, to put it simply, how can NASA get kids more interested in science and engineering? I think, you know, the missions and the people that we have are the resources that really get kids excited and inspired. And I've, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to talk to, you know, thousands and thousands of kids during my career at NASA. But whenever a kid sees a rocket taking off, I, I, the last shuttle launch that went up, I, I looked at some of the kids' faces as the, the, the shuttle went up, and they were just, you know, transfixed. I mean, it's like something that's, it's just kind of, it's awe-inspiring, but it's just hard to believe that, you know, as a, as a civilization, we've built a vehicle that can launch from a launch pad and fly to the space station and land like a glider and come back home. So I think using those assets and using some of the, the, the personalities and subject matter experts that we have that are that are motivating and inspiring to help you know like kids understand that these concepts are are achievable if you stay focused if you are disciplined if you work hard and if you eat your green beans <laughs> and just curious too uh, is it is it a particular challenge too to get uh, maybe even girls more interested in science and engineering well you know, I think a lot of uh, people that are, are not represented highly in the sciences, you know, minorities and women, and we've been doing some things with uh, using some people like Mary J. Blige and Donna Karen. We had an event up in New York uh, recently where we had girls from the Housing Authority come out and see some of NASA's top scientists and engineers that just happened to be women. And we did a downlink from space with Kate, Dr. Katie Coleman, who was in space, talking about her path to becoming an astronaut and allowed the girls to answer questions, ask her questions about, you know, just difficult things. And so I think as we showcase and, and, and showcase more of the people that are within NASA that are doing these things that look like the kids that are, that are thinking that they can't be scientists and engineers, will better turn the tide on getting more minorities and women into, um, into the sciences and engineering. Now that the shuttle program is nearing its end, what NASA careers other than being an astronaut can you point to for young people interested in the space program? I think, you know, at NASA we have 18,000 employees and 18,000 civil servants and 45,000 contractors that make up a myriad of, of, of areas of, uh, of expertise from, you know, accounting to legal to even nutrition. We have someone who's designing the, the nutritional content of the meals for the astronauts that are going up. We have um, medical doctors, we have flight surgeons, we have people from all across the spectrum. We have people that are architects that are building and designing buildings 
uh, green buildings in our centers. So I think any discipline that you think of, we have at NASA, we have geologists that are looking at, you know, craters on on, on Mars and other planets. And I think it's, uh, it's a myriad of, of uh, occupations that work at NASA. Can we dive into your role a bit? What is your role in designing and implementing these uh, current education offerings? As the uh, Associate Administrator for Education, I help set the strategic priorities and direction for the agency's education programs. And we're really trying to focus on strategic partnerships, you know, leveraging the, the efforts of others. You know, we have a, a portion of this pie that we, we own. Um, if you look at NASA for STEM, we are 5% of the federal STEM budget. So partnering with people like the Department of Education and NSF and you know, health and human services that have much bigger portions and seeing where our role fits in along with them to make a more unified approach to a systemic education program. And so helping ensure that we have the right partnerships and helping set the, the goals for the agency as a whole with education is, is what some of my responsibilities are. What specific multi-generational initiatives require NASA to strengthen its education efforts and educate the younger crowd? I think, you know, one of the programs we have, uh, SEMA, uh, Science and Engineering and Mathematics Academy, where, you know, sometimes children don't think they, be, they can become a scientist or engineer or know even know about STEM because their parents were involved in it or, or they don't have anyone in their community or in their sphere of influence that can, they could say, you know, led or guided them to that role. So I think one way to, with SEMA, is we're actually telling the parents that you don't have to be a scientist or an engineer to raise an engineer. So giving the parents tools to help their kids, their younger kids, maybe see themselves in this light. And I think, you know, as we use things like Facebook and Twitter and the social media, which, you know, a lot of kids now are, are, are involved with, we can show that, you know, NASA is actually pretty cool. Some of the things that we do are very cool and exciting and the missions that we do and the people we have. So I think reaching out through social media, but also, you know, using the parents and the teachers. And also some of the things that we're doing with, um, you know, entertainers and ball players. We, we have worked with Pharrell Williams and the uh, actor and rapper Most Deaf. Mary J. Blige, and also, you know, a number of other people uh, throughout NASA, but using them to help tell the story of NASA and how STEM is in everything that we do in this world. You know, you go up to an ATM machine and press the buttons, that's STEM. I mean, there's technology, there's electronics, there's all these different things associated with everything we do. So getting that message out there is very important by using everyone. Where do you need the most help when trying to maintain a pipeline of folks for the agency? I think the most help that we need for the pipeline, you know, is that, that I don't think NASA can, can service the entire pipeline with the resources that we have. And I think the most help will be gathered by, by choosing the right strategic partners, whether they're federal, state, local, or even, you know, nonprofit or for-profit corporations to help see where NASA fits in. Maybe it's the inspiration piece, but I think having the right partners will help us go from the pipeline of K to gray. Because when I think of the pipeline, I think of grandparents that can be big influences in the development of their grandchildren and, and even their children and, and letting them see that, you know, they can talk STEM. They can, I've, you know, I 
coaching grandparents that are on Facebook and Twitter and they're doing these things and it can help their younger grandchildren see that, you know, these are the types of, of skill sets that you need to have the careers of the future. What would you say the most effective uh, processes or frameworks in place to ensure that there's a consistency in the education of generations of students? Hmm. You know, I, I really I really don't think that's necessarily all of NASA's role. I mean, I think, you know, the Department of Education, along with the other federal agencies that do STEM, we're, we're looking at a coordinated effort. Um, you know, I think as we've as we've shown with this design team that you know NASA's role may be to really work at the middle school level to help you know get teachers prepared and help with the inspiration not that we're get out of all of the other areas of business but we're really trying to figure out where where our, our best role is and and we should have hopefully have that in, in, the, in the coming months what subjects do you find students most eager to learn about where do you see the most excitement from from students as you as you do your work so far, I really see students who, you know, they're genuinely curious about everything, especially the younger kids. And so you can, you know, you can you can have them engaged in how to how to take a paperclip and make as many things as you can out of it. I see that robotics is a very big area that they're very interested in. I was fortunate to go to a conference in Denmark with Lego. And we have a great partnership with Lego where we're trying to get kids to build robots on the ground while we're building them in space, too, to show how the space environment differs from the ground and how your the design that you thought you might need on the ground would may, maybe have to be modified in space to, to do the same function. So the robotics is a really big piece. You know, uh, the rocketry is, is amazing. The kids really like to see these rockets taking off, but also in the development of something called CubeSats, where they're building experiments to go up on some of these rockets, these sounding rockets that we, we send up from, from Wallace. So the rocketry, the robotics, you know, just the general inquisitiveness of a child to give them a challenge and to let them see that, you know, we have a problem, we want you to solve it. Sometimes they come up with the most elegant solution, even more so than the adults. So I think just giving them a challenge and giving them the the autonomy to go out and solve those problems without being prescriptive and telling them exactly what they have to do. Are there any particular NASA programs and projects that you emphasize? One of them uh, that we're working on this summer is called the Summer of Innovation, and it's a, it came out of the President's Educate to Innovate initiative in trying to curb the summer slide that students get when, when they, um, you know, leave school for the summer and don't, don't really do much except maybe having fun <laughs> with uh, sports or, or athletics or something over the summertime before the fall, fall school year. So giving them hands-on things that they can build and develop and learn over the summer that will help them get ready for the fall and then be better prepared for, for future um, testing and so forth. Now, you co-managed the former educator astronaut program, which uh, recruited teachers to become fully trained astronauts. Did, uh, what did you learn from that experience? I learned that the educators who were applying for that opportunity, some of them actually went back and one, one lady that I know from Georgia, she went back and got a master's degree in biology in one year to make herself more competitive to get selected for that program. So it was a, it was a, a great program for allowing teachers to become you know, astronauts and being 
you know, full of astronauts where they were doing spacewalks and robotics just like everyone else. And the, the most, um, I guess, one of the things that I'm really proud of is that that program resulted in choosing three educator astronauts, Dottie Metcalf-Lindenberger, Ricky Arnold, and Joe Acaba, all of which who have flown successfully on space shuttle missions, and they've all done, you know, robotics, and, and uh, Ricky and Joe did, you know, spacewalks, and now Joe is preparing for a long-duration spaceflight on the International Space Station. So it's a testament to the work that teachers do and the abilities that they have to show that it's it's something that, you know, everyone can do if trained properly and if if you if you choose the right people. So I'm I'm just really proud of their efforts and you know, this program is ongoing. We just don't advertise like we, we did in the first year. But, you know, teachers can still apply to become astronauts in the in the future selections. What is your favorite part of the the job so far? <laughs> I think my favorite part so far is I think when I was at the Summer of Innovation kickoff last year at JPL, to when I was running around the stage with this, uh, this this entertainer doing chest bumps and getting the kids pumped up, but you know, really seeing seeing a child's mind change from thinking that they can't be a scientist or engineer and thinking that it's too hard to then five years later finding out that they're going to college to be a mechanical engineer or an aerospace engineer. You know, um, I have a story, one of the most uh, uh, best stories that I, I remember is when a young girl uh, came to a presentation that I gave and she fell asleep halfway through the presentation. She saw a picture of an astronaut, Dr. Bernard Harris, doing a spacewalk. And then five years later at a conference, she sought me out to tell me that because of that intervention, she's now going to medical school. So oh, wow. I wonder about how many students that we're actually reaching and touching that sometimes we don't even know about that are the results of the education um, um, programs that we have and the inspiring um, people that work at NASA. What would you say has been the, a, a challenging part of the job? I think, I think one of the biggest challenges for everyone throughout the agency now is you know, with uh, the, the physical constraints, physical constraints that we have with the budget. But um, I think, you know, we, we take what we have and we we make the best programs that we can and we, we inspire the most people that we can. And I think that's pushed us more to being more strategic with our partnerships to make sure that we have the right partners that we can leverage the money and, and personnel that we have to do the most good with uh, teachers and students. And finally, what would you say is kind of the ultimate goal from from an education perspective? The ultimate goal is to allow all students to to have a dream and to believe in themselves that they can build and and design and develop and be inspired. And when I think about you know the next propulsion system that will be built to take us to Mars one day. It might be from a, a student that received NASA funding to go to graduate school or even, you know, undergraduate or maybe it was a summer of innovation program. But when they come back and tell the story that it was because of what NASA invested in me as a child, I am now the leading rocket scientist that is cutting the time down to get to the Martian surface. And, you know, in general, just as we are better scientifically and digital, digitally connected and understanding that it will just help our society in general. And I, I think that, you know, one of NASA's biggest roles is to have 
the inspiration piece there to ensure that these kids believe it and that they can do it. You know, I'm just sort of thinking of this now, but I'd be interested to hear from you what has been valuable or what do you remember being valuable when you were uh, a kid and you, uh, what got you interested in, in, in science and engineering and what kinds of um, education techniques did you find valuable? Well, I, I think, you know, when I grew up, uh, you know, I, my parents were both school teachers, didn't have a whole lot of money, so I had to be very creative and, you know, making my toys and building things. But I remember it was a chemistry set that my mother gave me when I was very young. And I mixed these two dissimilar chemicals together and made this most incredible explosion in her in her living room that resulted in a, a, a spanking. But it, it fueled my curiosity to become a chemistry major and then a material science engineer. So it's the it's the hands on uh, in you know experiential moments that are, are the most uh, beneficial. And I was talking to uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson the other day about when his kids pulled out all the pots and pans in their drawers into the wooden spoon to all the, all the, you know, the pots and pans. You know, that's an acoustics experiment. They're understanding the different timbers of the different pots and pans. So sometimes we, we don't allow kids to explore and develop and create. We stop that. So I think what I've learned is that, you know, the inquiry-based learning and the hands-on experiential learning are the best things to help you understand what it takes to be a scientist or engineer. And it brings on, I think, the most creativity and inspiration. Well, Leland, we at NASA TechRich really want to thank you for being with us today and talking to our audience. Thanks, Billy. You have a good day now. Thanks.